Clubroom Backstage. Anja Schneider is talking to Toby Neumann, a real institution in Germany when it comes to music production. Let's go in with the master. You have to be able to to fall in love with the music for the time you're working on it. If you are not able to uh, open yourself to music, which is, might not be exactly what you like personally uh, or as a DJ, uh, it's it's not the right work. But uh, I'm able to do that. You know, I'm able when I hear that uh, there is some really good inspiration in the music, I uh, I'm able to fall in love with it and to really give dedication to it in the time I'm working on it. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to a new episode of the Clubroom Backstage. And today I welcome a longtime friend and companion, Toby Neumann. He is a real institution if it comes to music production. Actually, he's a hero. <laughs> Started back as a producer for film and advertising, he found his love for electronic music back in Munich and started there as a successful DJ at Ultraschall. Later, he became a member of Cocoon and played most big festivals like Mayday or Love Parade, to name a few. But beside of this successful DJing, he had the magic hands. <laughs> And, uh, and had this magic hands on massive productions of bands like Chicks on Speed or DJs like Miss Kitten or Sven Fate. Toby was smart enough and started as the first one already around 2008 production workshops before anyone else even thought about it. And Toby is the only German producer I know who was the most requested remixer. Since 2000, he runs his famous Apollo Studio in Berlin and is constantly fully booked. So we welcome here and wonderful that he had time. Hello, Toby. <laughs> Hello, Anja. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very yeah, it's much. It's a pleasure actually for me because it's the first time that I see someone else, you know. Yeah. We just made today an exception, but we are all under the restrictions. So it's wonderful to, to welcome you here to the studio. How are you today? Actually, I'm really good. Just had a walk through the very cold city mm -hmm. from my house to here. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I was in the studio the last days. Of course. I'm doing very well. Uh, I, I try to keep it up and... Yeah, I'm doing good. But how were the last months? I mean, of course, you have good times. I mean, I have good times. I have bad days. How it, how it was for you? Yeah, of course, there's some days where where you think, how long will this go on? To be busy is the best thing to uh, to not think too much about the problems we all have at the moment. Mm. And uh, I, I'm in a really nice community in the studio, in the Riverside Studios, um, where I have my own studio. And um, we meet other producers on the hallway under uh, respecting the restrictions, but we, we have social contacts and mm -hmm. I'm very, very happy that I don't have to be at home all day because I think that would cause more problems to me. Yeah. I know uh, what you say. Yeah. But uh, actually, everyone is thinking, you know, when you do the production job, it's a massive business right now because everyone has time. But on the other side, a lot of these DJs or people who need help have a lack of money. Yeah. So how is it for you? Because you are still constantly busy. I met you, I think, two months ago and you said, I, I don't have any time because you were fully booked. I mean, you were before too. Yeah, but we had a bit of a lucky situation and we got a kind of a very big production. We are still working on that one. And uh I don't know, everything turned out to be kind of a good thing to have this big studio because in the years before I was doubting if it's really uh, necessary to have such a big place, uh, which also costs me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have uh, 
all these instruments to maintain them. Uh, and I was not so much into production, but the Corona guided me. You were not for, so much into production? <laughs> no, for, 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 for some years not. No, really? I, I like... I had a couple of years where I was mainly DJing and uh, during the week recovering from DJing. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it took me also a while to to uh, get my confidence back. Uh, but uh, yeah, after this, after the year 2020, where I was really constantly working, I also feel this joy again and also have the kind of success with, um, with the results, you know. And this was not from the beginning like that because the... The skills of production uh, increased so much in the years where mm -hmm. I was not working that much. It was not that I could just easily jump in again and be directly on the on the front line of. Uh, of oh, uh, I never had this feeling. I always thought you were like no, enjoying this no, because no, you were I always on the top for me, and years. it never seems to be different for yeah. me. This is really surprising me to hear that. No, it was like. Uh, Uh, it, it was a way back, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but I made it and uh, right now um, I'm really quite happy and I have a lot of good collaborations with also young producers, which uh, where we combine our forces. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is uh, actually a really good situation for us at the moment. So you yeah. are fully booked, but can you feel, especially uh, I know that a lot of young producers coming to your young artists, can you feel there is a kind of frustration and can you... Can you help and motivate them? Because I think some of us must be really in a dark place somehow. Mm, yeah, the ones who come to us are usually not the ones who are in the darkest place because they do something, you know. <laughs> I think the ones who would not do anything and uh, I, I don't meet them that much. I mean, I know that there's a lot who really suffer. Mm -hmm. But uh, the guys I'm working for and with, Uh, actually, yeah, just concentrating on their production. And I think many of them uh, stock up uh, uh, music for the next years. Yeah, you know? but do you think um, it's important to be there? Because I know also some artists, they, they were saying in the beginning, oh, no, no, I'm not releasing anything or pro produce anything because I can't play anyway. So let's keep it quiet. But I think it's maybe the wrong way. How do you see it? Hmm, yeah, I mean, it's up. To, this is the decision of everybody. But it, it, I mean, of course, you hear that the music changes a little bit. Uh, the fully functional techno uh, stuff uh, is, is more exchanged to some more musical uh, mm -hmm. uh, stuff. So from the musical side, it's actually interesting to see what uh, people do in these times. You know, for instance, I, I mixed the album of Damien Lazarus mm -hmm. uh, in the springtime last year. And uh, it was a really nice journey musically. He, he, he composed with his producer together in Italy. He was locked, also locked away for two or three months. But he was able to go to the studio every day, which is just next to his house somewhere in Toscany. And uh, music-wise, you could really hear it. Yeah? There were some really mental tracks and uh, some uh, vocal tracks. And so, I mean, he, he, he was always quite open-minded with the music. Mm -hmm. Not so na narrow from his style, but... Uh, yeah, I think it was a very nice work. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a good example to to uh, to hear what people do in these mm -hmm. times. You know, it's quite interesting that you name it. You said I, I'm actually I had Damien here also for yeah. for uh, backstage, and he was naming you too. Mostly yeah. the most artists I know, they're really careful with like, oh no, I went to this and this, and I went to Toby to get some help. Yeah. Actually, um, how how you get new clients and how easy are they to use their name and tell, yeah, I was at Toby Norman because there was a point where I couldn't do my best. So I need yeah. a professional yeah, help. I mean, that, that, this is actually um, 
Yeah, that's my work. My work is uh, uh, to to help finishing music and to uh, have a, uh, a second pair of ears. The magic hands, like I told you at the beginning. Would, it is like this. <laughs> thank you, Anja, but I would not go that fast. But uh, uh, yeah, Damien also, for instance, uh, really explained to me why he wanted to uh, give it to me because uh, he said I'm uh, open-minded in the way I'm producing and he's also really interested in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, um, and what you do uh, in this stage of of uh, the mix down, it was mainly like to put kind of the last finish on it, you know, you, you polish the music at the end and uh, maybe put some ear candies uh, into it and uh, and kind of finalize it, you know. And this mix down work, many, many, many people don't even know that anymore, that mix down is um, something absolutely crucial for mm -hmm. uh, when, when the music is done. Uh, there still has to be it has to be mixed you know I mean many people do secret? that in the box can you explain it a little huh? what is Naja, the secret I mean you have for instance let's say a, a, a normal regular track has something between 20 and 30 tracks mm -hmm. I put them on different channels on my huge mixing console and add some room uh, reverbs uh, I uh, I uh, compress some signals, mm -hmm. I uh, put more density to the drums mm -hmm. uh, and then I send them uh, 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 like a draft of the mix mm -hmm. and then they listen in their uh, environment about it and mm -hmm. then uh, usually you do a revision, uh, you do one or two revisions, sometimes you have to do more. Mm -hmm. uh, so that means that they say, yeah, can you please change this, can you please change that and sometimes they only, they start to hear all the elements more, more good because of our work. Uh, and uh, then uh, decide that some parts, uh, they have to remove some parts or they mm -hmm. put some parts louder. And that's actually, in this case, it's a mixed down work. Mm -hmm. And I would call this also, maybe this is a bit of a production on top to mm -hmm. the production they made, you know. But can you name it as a as a job? Because it's something what is art. And I think there must be a personal heart in everything you touch. And art is personal. So yeah, uh, can you difference this? Can you make it like with a distance, with a business, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you, you have to be able to to fall in love with the music for the time you're working on it. <laughs> If you are not able to uh, open yourself to music, which is, might not be exactly what you like personally mm -hmm. uh, or as a DJ, uh, then uh, uh, it's it's not the right work. But uh, I'm able to do that. You know, I'm able, to, when I hear that uh, there is some really good inspiration in the music, mm -hmm. I, uh, I'm able to fall in love with it and to really give mm -hmm. dedication to it in the time I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting because soon after it's also far away again you know this is <laughs> so it's not yeah yeah, yeah it is just a, a temporary uh, diving into this into this project you know I otherwise mean, you would also not be able to to work on different projects yeah because uh, this is where i want to come to because you work on really different projects yeah. um i just saw lately post of fiac they're also clients of you and then damien lazarus which yeah, is music really different how yeah. you can uh, be able to dive into this different music. What is the, the key thing? Uh, yeah, with the FIACs, it's, it's not uh, that I'm working for them, it's we working together on music, which, wow. we, which we write together. This is a different thing. So actually, I have to, I have to explain. Uh, in our studio, we are doing mix downs. Mm -hmm. Then a really important part became we um, do um, uh, instrumental production. That means uh, somebody writes his music on a laptop mm -hmm. with plugins, uh, sends us uh, the session, and we start to exchange the sounds with our modular and with uh, mm -hmm. the collection of synthesizers we, we got. And uh, we um, 
came really fast with that. So mm -hmm. actually when somebody books us for a day, he has to pay a certain amount of money, but he gets a lot of tracks mm -hmm. and a lot of versions mm -hmm. and as much as he wants actually. Um, some say after a while, yeah, please don't send me too much uh, because I have to decide at the end. So um, we do proposals for some arrangements. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really, uh, actually this is, I would call that as an additional production. Mm -hmm. This is a really artistic work mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it has to do a lot with sound design. Uh, and the benefit for them is that uh, after that, the music usually sounds much more alive mm -hmm. because uh, as good plugins might be when you when the whole production is based on plugin, it can also sound a bit bad, uh, a little bit kind of flat. So it's not a classical ghost production. Now this is, I'm also doing that. Mm -hmm. So this would be <laughs> the next one. Um, I'm uh, uh, I'm also doing ghost production mm -hmm. uh, for for people where we just write the music and wow. with them together or yeah as much as they can bring some input in. Uh, of course, it, it's always nice when they can bring a lot in inside uh, in, into it. And then also I'm doing a classical mix down work. Mm -hmm. You know, mix down is uh, actually I don't have to make any art artistic decisions. Mm -hmm. I just uh, uh, try to mm -hmm. make everything sounding really proper. Mm -hmm. Oft, often they send you uh, reference tracks and mm -hmm. they would like to sound a little bit like the reference track. So we switch between the reference and us and try to also balance it in a way that it comes mm -hmm. close to what they But want are the to. clients for ghost producing happy to be named or is this more like a secret deal what you have with uh, them and so probably maybe more money? <laughs> some, some of them uh, uh, don't want To, that we get mentioned, but I have to say I don't, don't like that so much mm -hmm. because Isn't if you write something, you have to be mentioned. Absolutely. Know? And uh, um, I know that it became quite common uh, that uh, some artists um, uh, always releasing under their name, but uh, did not really create it. On the other hand, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you usually ask for more money mm -hmm. when they want mm -hmm. to have this deal, but I'm not feeling so comfortable with it. I think It is fair when you still got mentioned, you know. But why is it such a sensitive topic, especially in our genre? Because it's ghost producing is for me not a crime. It's happening in all um, different kind of music. And I think it's it's fantastic. I mean, you can be a wonderful DJ and you'll be like completely stupid in the studio and you need some technical help, you need some ideas, which is possible. Why is it so sensitive? Why do people get frustrated when they found out, oh, he, he or she was not producing by himself? A very good question. I had a quite some good conversation with Nina Kravitz mm -hmm. in the time when she just came up and uh, she had uh, this in the early phase of her career for me abs absolutely masterpieces called uh, I Gonna Get You. Mm -hmm. It was released on, on, on Ray Kids and uh, with a really strong B-side as well and it was kind of a deep house track but not deep house mm -hmm. this trend style which they call it deep house today but it was really a house track a beautiful house track with her voice and uh, She wrote the track, she produced it, and she went to Tobias Freund, yes. and Tobias mm -hmm. Freund mixed it. And after that, Everyone. everybody mm -hmm. said, yeah. Nina I didn't remember. do the job by herself. It was done by uh, Tobias Freund, and she was totally traumatized. She yes, told me she never want to have this experience again. I mean, as, we, as you can imagine, Nina is somebody who likes to have the control over Absolutely, everything. Yeah. And uh, me personally, I have a lot of respect for what she did, what the mm -hmm. career she made. So I was always very positive uh, to her and, and also told her, listen, I, I, when, I, when I was still working as a sound engineer, Michael Jackson released the King of Pop album. It was like one CD was with the old tracks mm -hmm. and one CD was with the new tracks. 
And I was sitting in an OB van uh, in a time when I didn't have to work for the uh, TV show and had time to listen carefully to mm -hmm. this whole two CDs and were reading the credits list in a time when you still bought physical yeah. uh, sound carriers. You still had and this. And you paid uh, a lot of money for this. You could read. <laughs> On a normal track from Michael Jackson, there were around 20 to yeah. 30 people involved. Yeah. And uh, what I try... Uh, because this was kind of for, for me a really key experience uh, in techno people think they have to do everything by themselves mm -hmm. but you have to be a DJ you have to be good in fashion today really important nowadays yeah so you have to uh, be a good writer of music yeah. you have to be an engineer then you have to be a good arranger and you have to be a good mm -hmm. mixer mm -hmm. so we are talking about six or seven Uh, uh, different professions, mm -hmm. professions which are usually done by experts mm -hmm. who are not doing anything else. Than, uh, engineers are engineers, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I try always to uh, to uh, encourage uh, the people uh, to say it's totally legitim or uh, legitim. Yeah, legitim. Le yeah, le legitim. you should say it. I mean, like uh, you said. I don't know the word in English. I think mm -hmm. it's legitim uh, to uh, to use the best. Uh, 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 forces for, mm. for all these little details because a music production only sounds so good like, I don't know, old Phil Collins tracks or disco tracks. The level of production mm. in this time is absolutely not reached anymore today mm. uh, because everybody thinks he has to do everything by himself and try to hide if he gets help. Thank and you. I think this is very odd because... Yeah. Um, That's not how you make really good music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of Trevor Horn. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, Trevor Horn is, beside Rick Rubin, the biggest producer ever. Mm -hmm. And this Trevor Horn, uh, there's some really nice videos from him uh, talking about uh, the way how he used to work. Of course, there was more money involved in the, in the industry in the 80s. Uh, he said, first of all, never take a project studio, always take a big studio. The, the people have to have the feeling that every day is precious, they are in this big studio. Mm -hmm. Then um, mm -hmm. if you have the second best percussion player in town or the best, always take, take the best and then let him play and just shut up. Don't say too much. So he was telling some of the secrets how he created mm -hmm. his incredible work, you know, incredible work. I mean, from seal to propaganda, from uh, like, uh, like what this guy, uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood, Grace Jones, that's all masterpieces, you know. And so uh, you, you don't create something like that alone in your chamber. No. So my goal is to bring a little bit back as far as people can afford it mm -hmm. of this production culture, because at the end uh, you will, you want to hear the track more often when it's done like that, you know. And uh, I mean, of course, uh, it's, it's a budget uh, thing, but mm. uh, often many, many, many tracks which got released are also sounding so poor because <laughs> they are just Especially now. done Sorry. on Ableton in the box. And, yeah. you know, I mean... Uh, because everything was th is time. Is, is not, there's two weeks, they are hot, and then... They Which, which was yeah, the last I mean, timeless this, track you played as a DJ? Yeah, this is, this is of course, also another thing that uh, the, uh, the, the, many of those tracks are not lasting longer than four weeks, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and uh, uh, even Stranger in Moscow from Michael Jackson, even it's not his best track, but you hear it today and you say, wow, yeah. fucking hell, what did yeah. they do, you know. Uh, so th those tracks last longer and... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when you put a bit more of uh, effort and love mm -hmm. into a production, then you will also have a, um, 
yeah, at the end, a product which you might even listen to in a couple of years, you know. Yeah, but uh, did yeah. you ever decline someone for ghost producing? Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. I don't want a name, but... Uh, no, no, yeah, I don't want to hear the there name. There was a, the person who came and uh, who really said, okay, I don't want uh, that you guys mentioned, I just want to have done. And she thought she can go to the supermarket and just select three tracks from the from the stock. And yeah. this was too too cheesy, uh, like we, we rejected it. Yeah, because I was looking today when I was Googling goose producing, there are really sites where you can order some tracks, you know, especially in the genre, and you pay a certain amount of money and you get the tracks out of it. And sometimes you can hear it also that people using it. But I am also like absolutely um, agree that you have to be named because I'm, I was always naming it. Everyone knows it that I work with someone and I'm absolutely not yeah, shy. Yeah, but Anja, you are the driving force and I think it's totally, again, this word, which I'm not sure if I spell it right, legitim, mm. uh, because uh, first of all, you mention it and uh, then you bring this energy and you also have an idea what you want yeah. and you can express it, you know, and at the end it sounds like Anja Schneider. Uh, I had a really long and very interesting conversation with one of the big, big producers of the zero years, uh, Martin Buttrich, mm -hmm. who first made Timo Maas really yes. famous and then uh, Loco helped Loco Dice to become really <laughs> famous. And I mean, Loco Dice is not only famous because of Martin, but uh, Martin was a very important part yeah. of, of, of the success, uh, of the growing of Loco Dice. And uh, Martin told me when he's doing a track for himself, he works two or three days and sometimes he just throw it away because he's not happy. He's like, when Dice came to the studio, oh, it took two or three hours and then there was already something there. So uh -huh. it, uh, even if Dice is, might not be able to write something, mm -hmm. he has a very clear idea of mm -hmm. what he wants to do and then he's working Same it with out with him. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, actually you need always the leader, uh, and the, the insp inspirator and you need the expert. So mm -hmm. I think it, this is, it can only be a win-win situation when, mm -hmm. uh, uh, when, when two forces come together, you know. But how easy you can let tracks go, because you said it, you name it. Sometimes I have the feeling that some of the producers that, you know, they can't say, okay, it's done, it's perfect, it's good. Like the same story you told me from Martin Buttrich. Is it yeah. easy for you to say, it's done, it's ready, I can't do better? Uh, um, I had I was a bit stubborn for many years uh, because I was always thinking I need to uh, to as is a production technically uh, thing, but I tell it now for the ones who are interested. Uh, I was very stubborn and said, okay, I always put it on a mixing desk on many different channels. So and I'm working analog. I don't have a full re reset programmable console, so mm -hmm. I have to every time build it up again. And this made me very slow and a little bit stiffy with the way of working because uh, the mixing desk was blocked. And uh, when you were not happy with the result, you had to either take pictures and then reset everything. Or, and, and then now um, working with a lot of young people at the moment, I started, I, I stopped rejecting the in the box working. So mm -hmm. now I have the possibility to do a certain, until a certain stage, Uh, we uh, we record everything analog, but then we work in the box only with a stereo output, and then uh, uh, and then you have the possibility to open the track mm -hmm. two weeks later, mm -hmm. and this is the best thing when you when you just do other things, you watch some TV series, you listen to other music, you work on other projects, and then suddenly you open the track again and you see directly ah okay this is wrong mm -hmm. this is wrong the, here I have to add this here I cut four bars <laughs> out and actually I enjoy so much that I stopped uh, um, uh, like blocking this I way of working. I would love to hear your library actually. Now. And, <laughs> and and 
and and this helps a lot. I mean, to uh, leave leave it for a while and then go back to it. And then once it's done, then you mix it down on the console, which is also somehow an advantage because you cannot spend too much time on it. Mm. On one. Uh, Uh, one day you have just to let the bullet out of the rifle <laughs> and then it's done, you know. Yeah, uh, but, um, but you mentioned it. Um, you have a lot of analog stuff in your studio. You ha run um, your studio called Apollo Studio, yeah. which is really well known and where people even can book you and can see what you are doing. Um, how much do you spend money in this? Did you ever been wrong or did you ever say, okay, I don't need this machine again? Yeah, a few things yeah. I regret that I bought it, but more like a, like digital clocks for a lot of money and which you don't really need and stuff like that. But the synthesizers I bought are all investments. So It's like a Rolex watch. Uh, I bought, I had a, a Jupiter 8 since 88. Wow. Uh, when uh, the people all wanted to use the X7. And I saw I bought Jupiter 8 from Eberhard Schöner as a famous wow, yeah, uh, musician yeah. from the 80s. Absolutely. And uh, I bought Why it for 800 answer? Deutschmarks. <laughs> And this one got stolen. Also it's like around 500 uh, euro. <gasps> And this one got, uh, I got uh, robbed in my studio in no. 2005 in, in Berlin. And they stole almost everything like no. 909, 808, SH-101, uh, the SE-1, the Jupiter 8, all my old guitars I used to have in the band. It was a very, very, yeah, like 42 items were stolen, oh. a damage of around 60,000 euro. And uh, thanks God, I had a really good insurance and I still kept all the old uh, invoices. So I made a huge statement for the insurance and they, uh, they gave me the money for buying the stuff for the used price, which I had to pay at this time. So in 2005, there was one more little rally mm -hmm. where you could get 909s, where you could get uh, 101s or Jupiter 8s for a kind of a reasonable price. But right now... They, the amount, they are so expensive, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, actually, I just keep uh, maintain them in a really good way. And maybe one day if I want to stop, uh, I can sell them and uh, and people can use them uh, for... Uh, so I, it's, it's, it's a maintenance work. And of course, I invest uh, from time to time. But uh, I mean, at the moment, it's really paying back, you know. So I'm not regretting it. Mm -hmm. uh. So you are very German. So you kept all the invoices and stuff like this. Did you ever had a business plan for Apollo Studio? No. No, okay. no but, <laughs> but it worked uh, out. I'm not actually, I'm not such a good businessman. Uh, I mean, in the times when I was really playing a lot, uh, there was enough money to, to mm. buy. Also the modular yeah. thing. The modular thing is a really terrible addiction, you know. I started when I was with Ono Oeser going to the studio of Ricardo Villalobos and uh, he was already into the modular. And then Ono and me looked at each other. Let's buy one of those cases and start with it. And uh, It was only the start. And then we both started to buy and more and more and more and more. So what I have now, my huge cupboard of, of modular, is the most best selected modules wow. which I collected over the last 13 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, the ones I don't use, I sold because you can sell it quite well, actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, even the modular system is now a very nice uh, collection, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and uh, the best thing about it is that I am also really able to use it as an instrument and not mm -hmm. as an abstract sound machine, but really we use it as a synthesizer. Yeah. But how much time you actually spend to learn? Because you also said, you know, my production skills, you doubted it. There was the time which was not good. Mm -hmm. But how much time you spent actually to discover all these new instruments, this new gear? Tutorials. I mean, 
okay. tutorials. There's, <laughs> like, especially there's one company called Make Noise, and they make the uh, and, and uh, they make the best. But you have tutorials. to try. And no, you yeah, have to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sitting <laughs> in the evening. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, watching the tutorials before falling asleep, which is also much better than to see any bad news from uh, from the world or or some uh, kind of brutal uh, movies. Uh, I'm, I'm watching those tutorials, fall asleep, and then the next morning I have some ideas for patching. So I have to say that really the YouTube tutorial business uh, helped me a lot to uh, to discover uh, also the functionalities. And uh, I mean, this is almost everything you can learn on YouTube today. Mm-hmm. Huh? But actually that you came on this point, it brings me to a, a point of view because you were really the first ones around 2000, whatever, eight, where you did your first masterclass. Or tutorial yeah, but that's not exactly on- true. I have to, sorry, like what I did, I, I, I made a tech talk. Wow. And this tech talk, uh, like with Holger from, uh, uh, from uh, what is Ele- it called? Electronic uh, Beats. Yeah, Electronic mm-hmm. Beats, uh, uh, was uh, watched a lot from mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. But it was not a business, uh, it was not the idea to now teach the people. But we started with a touching sound, which is mm-hmm. this course. Uh, before Corona, we started in 2018. And, uh, Ach, what, 2018, what, I thought yeah, it was yeah, even no, no, more the, before. The, the real Because you said in one interview, Martin Oetsch was your first um, guy who yeah, came yeah, to your lesson. No, this is another thing. I had uh, interns. Ah. And I had, um, I had four interns. So the first intern was Martin Oetsch, who later founded White is Alive and uh, was one of the best learners I ever met mm-hmm. because he learned not only producing, mm-hmm. because he also recorded all the first songs of the White is Alive he recorded in my studio, mm-hmm. uh, like the first recordings, and then he went to some other place and recorded more. And he learned to play bass incredibly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, he also built up the label and everything. So it was uh, very uh, amazing to see how mm-hmm. fast he... Uh, um, he, he grew, grew, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second um, intern I had was Bin. Yeah. And Bin is, uh, became really famous in this kind of uh, young uh, vinyl uh, scene. He has his own label. He, um, he learned some things for producing. And my student later, Ono Oeser, told, uh, taught him a lot. And he became also really quite uh, uh, in, a, in a good position with his label and with his DJ, uh, DJing. And uh, then I had uh, Ludwig, which was the ex-boyfriend of my of my daughter. <laughs> I remember uh, who, this. <laughs> who also have been in my. He had stu- a really hard time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, it was very nice because he helped me at the moving from the studio from 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 Mitte to Kreuzberg. <laughs> this is why the ex-boyfriend from was, the daughter is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, but he lost his uh, passion for it. Mm. And then I had Fadi, and Fadi Fadi, ha- oh. Fadi Mohem is uh, now really like uh, very person. much on the way up. It's like one of the most talented persons I ever met, uh, who um, would definitely be on the same position now if he would not have been in my studio. But of course, he learned things in my studio and I learned also from him. And through him, I started to work with this whole gang from Spandau. Spandau, uh, Fiak. And also with Fiak, the Fiak guys, uh, when they were still free, I met him for the first time with Fadi. He brought them to the studio and we directly had a really nice vibe. Mm. And they give you so much what what I like so much about those guys, they give you so much respect mm-hmm. for what you are, mm-hmm. um, but I give them also respect for what they are, you know. Mm-hmm. So actually, it's a very good situation. And now we are working on an EP mm-hmm. uh, with yeah, the Fiaks. And, uh, and, I, and I learned so much from the way how the young people work, you know, mm-hmm. in many ways. So mm-hmm. 
um, I can only recommend this to um, to share. Yeah. But you're still doing workshops and masterclasses yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're and really then, uh, booked for this because the, you were the, the first one actually who did it. When you see it now from, from other colleagues because everyone is doing masterclasses. Doing it or, online. We are doing it physically yeah. in the studio. So ah, okay. our, our concept is a bit different. Our concept is uh, we invite people to the studio. I have an AC controlled room uh, in the t times before Corona we had eight people. Now we take only five or six. Mm. Uh, they uh, get the studio for four days, uh, wow. each five hours. And we try to create a track from the scratch with my machines. And uh, I explain them the way how my studio works. I explain them why things are like they are. I explain mm -hmm. them about the acoustics. I explain them about speakers, about the mixing desk, <laughs> about working with the, with an the analog uh, environment. And uh, then uh, I send them home uh, with uh, sessions we recorded together. Mm -hmm. I let everybody of them tweak, play, and try to see which... Uh, which of those guys have talents. And of course, we do a little questionnaire before we don't want to have total beginners. We, we mm -hmm. want to have people who already have experience. And then we decide to um, which tracks we are working on. So each of them uh, mm -hmm. does some drafts and mm -hmm. uh, then we decide together and then uh, help them also a little bit uh, explain them how I work on the computer. So some of the stages of work is definitely mm -hmm. digitally mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then at the end I mix it for them. Wow. So And this is kind of the concept we have and this we started uh, before Corona and mm -hmm. we uh, rejected to do it online because everybody's doing it. Uh, But how do so you feel about it when you see your colleagues doing it online? Did they ask you maybe for consulting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I got a lot of requests for doing it online, yeah. but I... No, but uh, even other people, I mean, I saw a lot of people doing this and they ask you maybe because you are the inventor of the... Mm. No? Yeah, some, some ask me, yes, actually, mm. yes. Mm. Mm. I uh, had a couple of times uh, people yeah. on the phone Because who I would me, ask you directly <laughs> if uh, I would do something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just told them about it. Actually, at the beginning, I was really uh, encouraging uh, them, but uh, now it's kind of a little bit of an inflationary. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see how, how, how this will work. But we are promoting now our next course. Super. And um, what uh, also became uh, quite strong as we are experts for sound design, mm -hmm. now we uh, got booked a lot for private courses. That means that Super. somebody comes, uh, just one or two guys, and they was like, please, we book our studio for uh, your studio for one week and please show us everything on the modular. And the nice thing about that is you learn so much while explaining it to other people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like, can for instance, I see here in the studio a beautiful um, uh, ARP uh, mm -hmm. 2600, and uh, um, I might not know it well. It's a it's a it's a modular synthesizer from the 70s, uh, but um, while trying to explain Jan about some things, I might start to learn about it. So actually, it's the best you can do is to explain things to other people because you learn it by yourself, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting point. I never thought about yeah. it. But actually, when I look back in your career, there was like a really, really successful time yeah. where uh, you were requested for doing remixes and yeah. they were all massive successful. So yeah. it was always guaranteed that you made a yeah. hit. So... The, the funny thing was, you were always, you were doing only remixes. You, yeah, there was not, not really a Toby Norman record. And how you could hold this status of being so high on the top still. Yeah, but after a while, I could not hold it that much anymore. Huh. And uh, I was like, this is, I, can, I can be honest, and this is of one of the problems. I'm not a good writer on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have this kind of 
inspiration when I'm sitting alone in the studio and trying to do a Toby Neumann track. I did a few, but not many. Uh, I'm a totally team worker in the moment. And, 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 and what you do when you uh, do a remix, it's a teamwork because somebody else had the motive of the track and you just uh, start to um, uh, to do your own version. Mm -hmm. And this inspires me. Mm -hmm. And I'm inspired in the moment I'm working with other people together where you share the responsibility for the music. This is the way how I'm working. And now I'm over 50. I will not make a big career of a, uh, of a writer for my own EPs anymore. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing what I can do the best. And uh, mm -hmm. this was the one, how you say, knackpunkt, or like this yeah. one thing where I also could not go more up anymore uh, without my uh, regularly own releases. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but I had to accept it because I'm not the guy who's sitting for one week alone in the studio. I'm feeling like instantly lonely when I'm alone mm -hmm. in the studio. I cannot enjoy it. So I need to be with somebody together in the studio. And that's the way how I work. Mm -hmm. And I started to really accept it. You know. But the remixing, yeah, I mean, my name was kind of angesagt. Really uh, big. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, everybody came and I uh, sometimes now I started to listen to all remixes and I, I'm uh, by myself impressed how strong they sounded. Yeah. And uh, there was kind of something very confident about it, you know. Mm -hmm. so, This was why you had so much request. And I yeah. think it was in a golden age of music where music was still selling. Uh, yeah, we got, we, I even got money for it. Yeah, <laughs> this is not, not usual no, nowadays. Hey, let's do a swap. So you yeah, do or whatever. A I mean, the whole music production is really is a bit poor because there's there's not not no money anymore involved except you perform mm. and um that's why i'm happy that i don't have to stand in the front line anymore especially in these days now as there is any there is no front line because nobody can perform mm -hmm. except a few who uh who are somewhere in africa or in tulum, tulum. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know how they feel about it or, or yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's their it's their thing but yeah yeah uh i uh I'm uh, actually quite happy that I can now make a step back and just mm -hmm. uh, work in the background uh, because uh, there's a lot to do. And uh, as I said, it's uh, I'm really happy for the situation at the moment, also working with young people. Mm. You know. But are you missing DJing? Not that much, actually. Really? Um, because you were also a DJ from the heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, the thing is, last two weeks ago, I played a stream for Sunshine Life for my friend Aga Heller. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, in the moment I know I have to do that, mm -hmm. I was for one week checking the music. I was uh, going to the DJ booth in the Riverside Studios and trying some mixes, made a little note uh, about which uh, order I play. So I was preparing and this came totally automatically. Mm -hmm. And I came well prepared and played my set. So uh, I think uh, I'm a machine in this moment when, when, when there would be really requests again, I would go through my record shelf, I would make some try a little bit. So I, you can be sure I will be still prepared and usually people dance so when I play I so and, have, <laughs> I and, and smile you know so uh, and, and, and so I would still do it but I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not uh, having those nightmares anymore the DJ nightmares mm -hmm. I had constantly DJ nightmares for 15 years yeah I know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's always the same. Huh? The, it's different locations and the people dance and you don't find a new track. Yeah. Uh, you have completely messed up all the order, which actually in reality never happened. Yeah. But this is, this is what you have in the dream. And I guess that this is only a sign that you like what you do. But this is lovely that you say it. I have it too. I always have that. I forgot my stick and there's, I, that the record is out. Actually, this yeah, is the it's absolutely... It's, and then everyone is looking at you and you're like... <gasps> and it's never happened in all these years. Recently, I had one again. 
In Robert Nein, Johnson. I did not find and then I played something and But I felt so dream. bad about everything. And sometimes in the dream, I already know, shit, it's this dream again. Just stop dreaming. Mm -hmm. uh, But, um, and Monica, by the way, also, I spoke with Monica Cruz, a, mm -hmm. a dear friend and, uh, yeah, as you all know, yeah. a really great DJ. And she also has those nightmares. Yeah. And I think that probably some doctors also have the nightmares of, of doing forgetting uh, some tools in the, in in the, the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and, and Monica is also, also I have this also, she's also always nervous. And she's doing this also since 20 years, same than I. Mm. But actually, uh, coming back uh, before you DJing, you had actually a professional music um, education. You work for film advertising mm. and you did classical music also. Do, do you no, play? No, 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 no. I mean, I was working already at this time, always together with a really good composer, mm -hmm. uh, um, Peter Horn and Martin Probst, who were the guys from Munich. Uh, one is uh, also the songwriter and longtime member of the Banana Fish Bones. Mm -hmm. He's an incredible musician. He's composing everything on the guitar. And Martin Probst is very well educated. Uh, he studied at the conservatory in Munich. Wow. And uh, with those guys, I did a couple of uh, score uh, sounds. And I was more on the electronic sides of it and the how the sound thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this I sacrificed uh, on the altar. Heißt das altar? Altar? Was yeah, heißt maybe. Altar? On the altar <laughs> yes. of uh, techno. Mm -hmm. When I moved to Berlin, I stopped doing that mm -hmm. in 2002, 2003, because then I was totally focused on the DJing. And the DJing actually was an accident. It happened. Why? <laughs> yeah, I was on your boat in ah, ja, 1996. <laughs> so uh, funny that you say it. Chris the, mentioned it here in, too. In, in front of the Museumsinsel. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I saw Mike van Dijk. And I was definitely not sober anymore after three days. With a <laughs> really nice gang of people. And uh, I decided I want to become a DJ. So it was really like, I was already 30 at this time. So I was... Uh, it was kind of an aha uh, 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 experience. Yes, moment. <laughs> and uh, then I started like sick to buy records, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, then it went pretty fast. And yeah, but of course, in the time I DJed, I was not doing that much of this but other did stuff. You not anymore. No, you didn't play on the boat 2006. You played later on. No, four no, no, years no. Later. 96 was a boat. I think Ach, 96. Time, uh, it was in front time, of WMF. The, the Laugh Radio was still yes. on Kiss FM. Is it, is it right or am I this, wrong? Uh, maybe you're right. What, I don't know, actually. It's my history. Uh, I think it was on yeah. somewhere on the radio. But I remember this boat where it was in front of the WMF on the museums. And, and yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. You could see to the museums. And then you play always for me for the Laugh Radio in Schönbrunn. Yeah. and the old casino garden and oh my god we had I mean times. one of the most leg legendary uh, moments were for me the 2002 2003 and 2004 in the uh, restaurant Schönbrunn in this beautiful park mm -hmm. where there was a kind of a sub rave it was a, between three and five thousand people yeah. I would suppose <laughs> and on the roof of yes. uh, the restaurant the Martini Brothers did their amazing live show Berlin with the boys and mm -hmm. uh, that was the time of them and uh, yeah thanks to you I was also playing there <laughs> I could cry if I remember because yeah, this was, was legendary and yeah. Yeah, yeah so we know each other since a long time yeah, but do you I, so the initial moment of electronic music or techno was actually in Berlin on the boat it was not in Munich because you did your first uh, yeah, party. but this time yeah, I was still living in the Munich track, so the first uh, music. it was funny at Spiegel uh, Reinhard Götz wrote about Ewerk mm -hmm. and uh, he wrote about Woody Yeah. And he wrote that you have to make joints for Woody and with each joint he gets uh, more into the music and plays the most amazing stuff in the mornings for hours and hours and hours. So I was already able to make joints in my hand, went to a small club in Munich where Woody was playing <laughs> and uh, made joints for him. He didn't know me, but I gave him the joints <laughs> and uh, writing down the first 10 or 15 records and bought them. 
And I think I told him this story once. <laughs> so uh, I came back from Berlin totally inspired and started to buy records, like mm -hmm. dance records. And then I have met a guy, Markus Kanzler, mm -hmm. who was a crazy digger and collector. And who and my, and my daughter was um, over two or three days uh, in my uh, uh, flat in Schwabing. And he came always with a bunch of records and showed me the labels like Relief, Prescription, mm -hmm. Balance, all those kind of nice Chicago house labels and Masters at Works and Strictly Rhythm. And me, totally inspired, I had two turntables <laughs> and I mixed all the stuff he gave me together and went <laughs> to the stores and bought those records. So uh, uh, Markus Kanzler was very, very uh, crucial and very important for me to discover the music because this time I came from the site. I, And, 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 yeah, and then we had this uh, really good luck situation to, that we could run our own party in the mm. Ultraschall, yeah. which was kind of the most established uh, techno club in the South. Yeah. A really important one uh, with, a, with a very deep connection to Detroit mm -hmm. uh, in the time when Electro was really still Electro and, uh, and the main floor was mainly like really hard techno. And uh, on the second floor, there was uh, like ambience which later, unfortunately, disappeared a little bit, this culture of the ambient floors. Yeah. Um, in the early days of techno rave was, was, was that. So um, we uh, got the chance to do our house parties in the ambient floor of the Ultraschall every Friday. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned the most from in my life as a DJ from those four years mm -hmm. being the host and always doing the warm-up on the, the end of the party. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. With the residents Dominic Agnelli and Virginia Heugel, uh, a.k.a. Virginia. Virginia, yeah. 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 She, she was, was back in the days because I didn't know that she was singing. There was this huge hit of Tom Novi back in the days where yeah. she was singing. I don't yeah, know yeah. which it uh -huh. was. No? And yeah. it was her. Yeah. yeah, but I love her. I love her voice. Yeah. And now she is coming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, since a long time. But um, <laughs> Yeah, and I moved to Berlin in 2001. When my career really went up after the chick stuff started mm. to get really cut There's through. There's only one word I can say, kaltes, klares Wasser. Everyone yeah, knows this Euro song. Trash was yours? And Euro Trash Girl was already really big. The one yeah. before it was, a, 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 what was it, the Merix? No, mm -hmm. no, and, and not Merix. No, what was from a Southern German band? forgot the name They, and it was a cover version on a seven inch mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and this one was also already played by so many DJs everywhere also in New York <laughs> and DJ held all those young fashion show in New York they played the Euro Trash Girl and uh, Sven Feet played it and then uh, the Kaltes Klares Wasser was of course yeah the big Hit for me, commercial, no? yeah. uh, which yeah. uh, opened many new doors. Yeah uh, I can imagine. Many many new doors. No, yeah. But what do you think about the new music this new um, revival of 90 I mean, even Eurotrash is coming back in some DJ sets, you know, and mm. it's not really mine. Also, this young generation, they're really completely on this hard techno. I'm, how do you think? Because you were always a little bit more on the housey side of I think, uh, solely funky, groovy. You have to make a difference between the hyped, hyped styles mm -hmm. and, uh, and kind of a traditional music like blues, jazz or rock. Or fusion, uh, there's also house and there's techno. Mm -hmm. And I would call some of these styles of house and techno a very timeless music. Mm -hmm. So today you can easily play a set with uh, music which comes from 92 uh, with, together with a track played uh, produced in 2008 mm -hmm. then together with a, let's say, yeah. Hot creation uh, from 2020, yeah. uh, and, 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 and people would not feel that there's uh, like because it's kind mm -hmm. of all a bit traditional. Mm -hmm. There is, for instance, there was a big moment of uh, two-step. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You remember? Yes, it of course. It was around uh, 2000, 2001. MG Cole. And uh, we had the Flocati. Our club was constantly full. Many ladies. We could never really let all the people in. And then the two-step came up and we had we supported three guys uh, who started to play once a month on Sunday two-step in our party. And then uh, a really nice um, a promoter from Munich asked us if we would have a problem when they do the two-step party next door because they have a club. It was a kind of an area called Kunstpark Ost. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could only do it on Friday because the successful DJs from UK could uh, were too expensive for Saturday. So they <laughs> invited those guys. And for one season, for, from, I guess, October 99 mm-hmm. till springtime 2000, I guess, Mm-hmm. We did not have 600 people anymore in the club. We had only 300 people. Because our party was not hot anymore. <laughs> and uh, our residents like Ian Puli, uh, um, uh, Boris Lugos, uh, DJ Tonka, they, uh, or even Karotte, they, <laughs> they played our party two hours and then went on the two-step party. And it was uh, for half a year Sodom <laughs> and Gomorrah. <laughs> and then after half a year, bam, it stopped. Mm-hmm. And our parties were full again. Mm-hmm. And this gave me a very, very, it was one of very most important experiences that my music, which I supported and which I like, will Not always so last for longer. So I see this kind of relaxed with, with the trends. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. hard techno trend lasts now already pretty long, mm-hmm. which is... Yeah, it's not so musical. It's not. It's not sexy. Mm-hmm. Many of this stuff is just banging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really personally get so attracted by it. But uh, there's also DJs like Fadi or the Fiaks mm-hmm. who are extremely funky. Mm-hmm. They play fast, but always with soul. So absolutely, uh, it's like always you have to find your your selection. Or Ben Clock, or uh, what a DJ, you know, mm-hmm. how he can play build up a night, or like Marcel Detman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, there's so many good DJs. Also this this mm-hmm. Rothead. Yeah, uh, what a good DJ. Absolutely. Tasty. Every track is just so, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it makes sense. And it's absolutely far away from being bam, 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 yeah. bam. And I, think I don't name also a little bit the DJs who are doing the bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. You know them by yourself. It's not my thing. But for sure, one day this will also disappear and there will be other things. Do again. you think the pandemic or the crisis could change the music when it's going to start? That's start a good again? question. I'm asking myself a lot mm. because now it takes longer than anybody uh, expected. Mm. So uh, we, we, I don't know what will come out after that. I don't know. I think that the big names get bigger. Yeah. Uh, and many, for many, might... It Might will it be over. difficult to enter again, mm-hmm. especially in this underground scene who are totally in love with a very particular style, mm-hmm. uh, which are not, yeah, because I, I'm not sure if they all come back in the same way than before. No, I really don't know. Yeah. I agree. Toby, but the good thing is that you came here and I can't wait to play with you again because this is for me almost the most, um, it's always like a pleasure and it's, it's fun because we had the, the luck we were in the summer together at Sisyphus and I remember we played one time back to back, you remember, about the Moni party? And oh yeah, this was actually... We were both really nervous because it was the first time for a backhand downstairs, <laughs> <laughs> but we had to do the beginning. I remember we were both like, nah, yeah, but we were so satisfied that yeah. we could play there and it was a good feeling. Wow, this was amazing. Actually, my only... I I mean, I played once for the, uh, um, for the what is it called, Yellow Lounge, mm-hmm. uh, some classical music at Bergheim, but this was the only time I really played 
uh, in Bergheim uh, a set with you together. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> one hour after us was Adam Port. Yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Toby, thank you so much. Was I, it this, already? Is now, it come on, we already all mess, oh, almost. Really? You, uh, you Amazing. <laughs> I was scared when I came into the interview, but once you start to talk, uh, yeah, yeah, you uh, don't have to be scared. And yeah. I'm gonna get, um, we're gonna drink a glass of red wine yes. now. <laughs> and because it's actually the good thing is today, I just um, we are here on a Saturday night, which is normally absolutely impossible to meet someone but I had such a, such a, such a craving to see someone on yeah. Saturday night so I asked Toby can you come Saturday can we do <laughs> so we can drink a glass of wine now yeah uh, thanks God I didn't have a booking this weekend <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much well, thank it, was you, Anja. it was such a pleasure yeah thank Toby always me. <laughs> also, it was great thank you very much Clubroom Backstage Produced at Blackout Studios